Well, we talked about the parable of the workers in the vineyard, and um, that's familiar to most people who've grown up in the church. Um, a landowner goes out and hires workers to work in his vineyard about six o'clock in the morning, which would have been the start of the day. And then uh, he goes out three more times, the last one being at five o'clock, which is an hour before the end of the day, and continues to uh, to bring in workers for, for his vineyard. And then pay time comes, and he pays the workers who only worked for an hour first in front of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, he pays them a day's wage, a denarius, which is what he promised the workers that began at six in the morning. And um, as they get through, they're all paid the same thing. And the workers who worked 12 hours were noticeably upset and go and complain to the landowner and say, this isn't fair. And um, the parable is kind of a picture of the way that God views blessings that he that he gives to us. And some of the points I made in the sermon were uh, that, uh, for one thing, it is not good, us being who we are and God being who he is, for us to have an entitlement mentality, an entitlement attitude toward the, the blessings that he so graciously gives us. Um, uh, another thing that I pointed out is the fact that the, the laborers didn't acknowledge the landowner's right to be generous with what belonged to him, which also is a, a picture of how we can relate to God sometimes. Um, in the sermon, I focused more on the, the temporal blessings that God gives us, the, the, the blessings that we receive or don't receive, and how we react to it. If, if I had had more time, I might have painted this parable in, um, in more of an ultimate sense as well. So, you know, in an ultimate sense, you would see payday as being judgment day when we stand before God and, and God, uh, God pours out his, his blessings on us, um, primarily the, the blessings associated with with salvation that we have through through Jesus Christ, and um, but also also some other type of blessing as well. That's uh, given as a result of some work, right? Sure. I mean this this parable in particular, the equality we we see for each worker is is salvation. Yeah. Um, but there is we just did with the the high school youth group from from Corinthians. Chapter three or end of two, I think it's three. Um, whatever you build on this foundation of Christ, the fact that you're built on this solid rock foundation assures you of salvation. But depending on what you build with, there's some there's some different blessing. There's some different reward. Yeah, I I've got I've got my views on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, just to, just to go down that path for a minute. Um, yes, I, I think that scripture tells us that, um, you know, that we will be rewarded for the good that we do in this life. And obviously when you look across the board at believers, at, at Christians, 
um, you know, somebody who comes to faith at 80 years old and has lived a life of, you know, kind of self-centeredness and, and so on is not going to have accumulated the, the good works that, that someone who took their faith seriously from an early age would. But uh, ultimately, I think that those, and we're speculating a little bit, but um, ultimately those rewards that we receive for the good things that we do in this life are those rewards where we are all going to cast right back down at, at Jesus' feet. Sure, like like the crowns that the That's, elders wear yes. in Revelation. Right. They receive a crown in one of the addresses to the church, and then when they're before the throne, yeah, they cast their crowns. And the reason I say that is because is anybody is anybody going to feel less than or no. inadequate in heaven? No, I, and I've had that conversation with pastors before as a as a younger guy when um, family members had died who had made professions of faith but um, not really born much fruit after that and mm-hmm. believing in perseverance of the saints were they never a saint <coughs> will they persevere because they were they just didn't bear much fruit they built with with shoddy materials and and then they would say well yeah, certainly there's not this levels of heaven kind of thing where the better people live up uh, in that part of town, and the rest of us have these shacks down here. Right. Um, that's not the case. But I, I don't know. I would still argue that there's there's some blessing as a result of our effort in sanctification, not unto salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And because there's no sin in heaven, there's no envy. Sure. So I see that you have a nicer house than me. And I'm again speculation. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm quite sure this is not how it will work. But, and and I say, oh yeah, he deserves that. Sure. I don't go. Oh man, how come my house only has right. twelve rooms and his has thirteen? Right. But circling, you know, circling back, circling back to the actual parable and yeah, sorry. looking at it in an ultimate sense. No, it all feeds into it. Um. You know, when you look at the parable in an ultimate sense, and you're you're looking at salvation and eternal life, the rewards that we get in heaven, you have to remember that all of these parables about the kingdom circle circle kind of back and are related to the disciples' struggles with what this is going to be like, mm. and they're worried about things like, you know, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Is it going to be going to be me or is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be John? Jesus seems to love John quite a bit. And they're all, they're all hung up on this. And then uh, the, the direct question that leads into this parable was another one from Peter saying, hey, you know, we've given up everything to come follow you. Um, are we going to be rewarded for this in heaven? And I, I think that this parable, along with some of the others, is uh, you know, one of its purposes is to say, you know what, you're you're focused, you're focused on the wrong things. You shouldn't even be worried about that. You shouldn't be worried about, as you just put it, the, the size of your house in heaven. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus is almost saying, you know, you know, trust me, trust me. 
I will pay you what's right, which is language directly from the parable. You know, you're going to get your reward. And, you know, once we're there in an ultimate sense, there's, there's going to be no, no cause for being disgruntled, no cause for, for being um, disappointed. I mean, we're going to have everything that we ever dreamed and more, um, and it all flows from our relationship with God. And the work for the kingdom that we do now is just, it's living into that reality even today. It's not just looking forward and saying, oh, it's going to be great when that happens. It will be, but you can start living into that right now. And so live your lives that way. Yeah. The the other comfort of this parable in particular, and I've I've used this before, when people have prodigal children or, or prodigal friends, family members who on their deathbed make a confession, uh, talk to a dear friend who said, I just hope it, just hope it was enough, I hope it was sincere. And you say, hey, look, the workers who worked one hour got the same wage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of time you got to put in to qualify for salvation, right? When we say... By grace, through faith, we mean it. Yeah. And the other, the other kind of encouraging thing in this parable, because we've all been there, right? We've all felt like we've been shortchanged a little bit. Sure. Haven't gotten the recognition that we maybe were thinking that we were deserved when we did something really selfless and, and really good. Um, at the end of the parable... The landowner explains to the all-day workers why they're not looking at it the right way. At the same time, they're not condemned at the end of the parable, Mm, mm. right? It's an instructive moment. It's saying, and remember how it ends, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And so it's it's not a condemnation parable like the... The wheat and the tares, for instance. Sure. It's a, hey, you're not going to understand this in this life. It's not going to seem fair, but just trust me that I will, that I am good for what I am promising you, that I will pay you what is right.